sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. I want to talk about the call of God, okay? And I'm sharing from Bishop Dag's book, Many Are Called, Characteristics of Called People. First of all, God calls failures. Are you a failure? You sometimes feel like you're a failure in ministry? Then God has called you. When God called Moses, Exodus 3, 11, and Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses failed to deliver the people in the first instance, but God chose him even though he had failed to deliver the people. Are you a failure in any way? People have failed in their life's assignment, but God still calls failures. Amen. When Moses first tried to walk in his call, it ended up in something else. He was actually wanted for murder because the first time he went out, an Egyptian and Israelite were fighting and then he helped the Israeli to beat the Egyptian because he sensed the call of God on his life as a deliverer and a judge of the people. And the second time he went out, two Israelites were fighting he tried to separate them and tell them, oh, you are brothers, don't, whatever. And the people didn't understand his call. And his brother said to him, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Anytime your call is doubted, anytime there's a question mark on whether you are called or whether you can do this specific thing, it is likely that that is the place that God has called you to. When it says, who made you a ruler and a judge over us, is to put doubts. When Jesus cares, are you the son of God? That's the first temptation. If you be, if you be, there's a question mark on whether you are the son of God. But if you be the son of God, then prove it. Command these stones to turn into bread. Any question mark on your ministry, your call, your strength, your giftings, is an indicator that God is calling you in that area. Hallelujah. God calls failures. Most of the time, the area of your call will also receive criticisms. Where you, see, where you receive criticism that, like Joseph, you dream and you are fully faced for your dreams. You are fully criticized for your dreams. What you want to do is re-describe and redirect that, oh, this thing that you are doing, you are just 
walking in emotional hype. You are not doing anything spiritual. Anytime you have question marks like that, it is likely that that is the area of your call. Because God calls seeming failures. Amen. God calls unworthy people. Moses said, the same verse, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? If you examine yourself honestly, you will realize how unworthy you are. But it will be your ability to overcome this sense of unworthiness that will release you into ministry. Do not let the feelings of unworthiness keep you from obeying your call. We all know we are unworthy. If you hold back from obeying God because of your unworthiness, you would have become the biggest fool on earth. <laughs> God calls unworthy people and he's calling you. Amen. Anybody God called, God said, uh, uh, they said, I'm not worthy because I'm not capable. I don't have the ability. And usually that is also a pointer to your call. When God calls you and you feel that you are very capable, you are a woman of the moment, God needs to release you, it's likely that you are not called in that area. But everybody God called, Moses would say, I can't speak. I can't lead your people. I've sent somebody else. I'm not the one. Ezekiel would say, woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell among unclean people. Isaiah would say, I cannot, and God would say, say not that you are a child. Jeremiah, the Lord would say that, before I called you, God has to encourage you a lot before you will hear his call. Amen. I have needed a lot of encouragement. Because sometimes, when I have to go and minister, I say, what am I doing? What do I have to say? I have nothing to say, Lord. I have nothing to contribute, Lord. I have, and, you know, you, you, you sort of stumble into the ministry by mistake or by, I don't think there's coincidence, but you just do things as if by coincidence. Because when I started the women's ministry, it was a small group of four women plus myself, five, in the TV room behind NTC. And I just used to open my Bible and say, it's women's Bible study. I'll just have Bible study with these women. And when they became a few, and let's say we were 50 or a bit more, we said, oh, we are now going to have a mega convention. And that convention is going to be called the Total Woman. And all the ladies were in NTC. Lady Pastor Mercy and Co. He said, oh, the Total Woman. So the Total Woman, I talked about your spirit, your soul, and your body. You know? And that was our first convention in the School of Hygiene Auditorium. And then it continued, and somehow along the line, Bishop said, okay, then have women with direction. He gave the name, women with direction. But women with direction was not a full women's ministry. It was a wing that you could belong to. So if you were not an usher, you were not in something else, then you could be in women with direction. But I thought that it was a good thing, and I enjoyed it, you know. I enjoyed teaching the women, nurturing them. And as we went on, I saw that, Every time, pastors were being released from my ministry and my chapel. And I became very sad at a point because I really loved them. And they were my jewels. And I wanted them to stay with me. I wanted them to be a part of me. It was a nice club, a nice fellowship, you know. So I didn't know 
that if you had told me that, oh, you are a woman of the moment, you see, you'll be releasing many people into ministry. And it was not like that. It just happened step by step. And so when Paul says that, you are my fruit, you are my seed, you are my epistle, I can relate to it. But it didn't start like that. Do you understand? It didn't start like that. And I still believe God to release more. But I mean, at a point, it's not nice. Everybody you nurture is taken away. Everybody, so who will stay with you then? You know, but I didn't know that some of these people will be released to faraway lands. So you should allow God to also scatter your seeds because there will be a blessing to you. Amen. But you start in an unworthy way and you, I, I continually do not feel that I have arrived. I always say, God, what am I going to tell these people? And then also the burden of preaching is something that is very real to me. Preaching is, it puts a burden on me. I, I feel that I must hear God's heart because I must not just preach what I feel like preaching because it's God who knows the people, where they are at, what they need to hear. I don't know that. So I have to hear God's heart. So sometimes I want to preach what is exciting to me, but God may say I should preach something else. And because I know that they are God's children, I don't feel worthy. I just keep on. God does not call worthy people. God does not call already made people. God calls people who are willing and obedient. You just have to be a willing vessel. You don't have to be anything spectacular. Some people say, oh, how do I behave? Lady Reverend, advise me. How do I behave as a, as a bishop's wife? No, just be a child of God. And the fruits of the spirit and everything will come out of you. Don't go by your feelings. Because as for the feelings, you will always feel unworthy. You always feel you don't have what it takes. My husband used to be a very shy person. He, he didn't like to stand in front of, the, of people to speak or even to speak in public. Can you believe it? When you see the big things he says, you cannot believe it. But he was not even like that in Legon. When he was even the head of our fellowship, he used to talk very softly. So we see that the new creation is, you know, man is a spirit. He has a soul. He has a voice. So now I just want to hear him. Zigiligi. You've changed. You've changed so much. But God will change you so that you can adapt to the ministry. Amen. God calls people who have been rejected. Because Moses was told, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Rejection is part of this life. Rejection is a very painful experience. To be rejected is to feel disliked, disrespected, and unwanted. Bishop says, I have been rejected many times. There are many times that I felt disrespected, disliked, and wanted. It is not easy to go through rejection. Yet most people will experience rejection as part of their spiritual journey. Before you are fully accepted, you must be rejected. People were first rejected before they were fully accepted. Remember, Jesus, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him and believed him. So if you are going to look and say, oh, when I came, they didn't receive me, then it means I'm not called. You can't use that to measure. Rejection is, and I think that rejection makes you humble. And rejection makes you know that it's not about you. It's about God. So if you are not rejected before you are accepted, then there's something wrong. Do you understand? You need to be rejected before you will be accepted. And most of the time, a woman, you are easily rejected. 
As soon as people see a vessel in a female vessel, oh, oh what, what does she have to offer? Oh, what, whatever. Oh, what? It takes more for a woman to be proven in ministry than for a man. Do you understand? But rejection is part of your journey, and that should not make you give up. Amen, somebody. God calls people who are not believable. Moses said, they will not believe me. When I go, they will not believe me. You see, when I was a child, I was a very, very active, boisterous person, not shy. Oh, I used to climb trees with my sister, wear shorts. Oh, do boxing with my brothers. I had nine brothers. My sister and I, Irene, were the younger ones. So they teach us how to do boxing. The boys, so the two of us should box each other. And they had the ring, whatever. Then they would say, climb. Then we go to the corner and they wipe us and then we come back. I mean, it wasn't easy. And I was also a very good goalkeeper for my brothers. They would put me in the net and Irene is in the other one. Then they would dribble, they would dribble, catch, catch. Then we catch and then we are moving on. And I even remember being very, very young. And when my parents get visitors, they would call me. I'll come and dance twist. It was a uh, twist from there to Panlogo. No shyness. Oh, I'll go down now and then I'll come up. And then my Sunday school teacher picked that up and said, Look, you can preach. You can do this. So he used to give me scripts to learn drama. I had a friend who, she would do the drama, the rehearsal and everything. But on the D-Day, when she sees the crowd, then she'll be crying. And Jesus said, I didn't have any such hang-up. I'll just speak. Whatever I'm told, I'll just speak. I mean, it wasn't a problem. Now, as I grew up, when I went to Wesley Girls, I was such a great tease. I could tease people. And there was a girl with a very bad temper. She was far bigger than I. So every time I teased her, she'd come and lift my bed for my head to be going. Even up to today, I saw her in traffic. I waved. She didn't mind me. Up to today. So... There was another friend of mine that I really used to tease. And sometimes at PE, she would just throw a stone. One day, she threw a very big stone. She had a very bad temper. And at a point, just missed me. But I found everything funny. Because my house is like that. They laugh about everything. So anyway, last two years, I went for daughter in Geneva. No, before then, I went to her office. She was working at Ministry of Finance. I went to do something. And she said, he had laid. You are, you could tease and you could. I said, oh, I'm a new creature. So, what do you mean, new creature? But when we're in Wesley Girls, you were still a Christian. I said, I was still a Christian and all that, but I don't know. Somehow, that teasing, laughing, it has gone away. I mean, God has. So, what God? I said, oh, it's God. God has. But she didn't see that. Then, when I went to Geneva two years ago, she was there. She was working with WHO. So, she came for the conference. I didn't even know. But after, when we're. In the office, ex- exchanging pleasantries, she came along. She said, Adelaide, when they said you were coming to preach, I said, it cannot be. It cannot be. It cannot be. And she said, I said, Adelaide, she has laughed at people. La- this meeting, I also laugh at her. And she said, but when you started ministry, something happened to me. And I just want to tell you, it was such a blessing continue with what you are doing continue with what you are doing that's what she said so even this year i'm inviting her again but she had become very sober after the word because i told her that look that teasing i've stopped 
By the time I came to six, I've stopped teasing people. And I used to be very tiny too. So when I tease them, after that, I've slipped. You know? So she could not believe. People cannot believe. How can God use such a person? Who teases people? It's so a certain way. You know? And I don't even know how the change came. By the time I came to six, I don't know. I didn't have that energy, that zeal. Or maybe I'd become more mature. With time. You know, so people don't even believe that God would use you. I was in SU and everything, but she was not in SU. So she doesn't know what you share there, what you do, but she just finds that you are now a full-time preacher. You who can provoke people with your laughter, that they feel like stoning you. Today you say you are a full-time preacher. And she also didn't come to six homes, so she didn't know that I was being changed from glory to glory by God. Amen. So people will not believe you. But you don't have to use that. Moses said, if I go, they will not believe me. It's part of it that they will not believe you. You are listening to Honey on My Lips with Lady Reverend Adelaide Edward Mills. Stay tuned in. You are a useless woman. I regret marrying a person like you. Hmm, I knew it. I knew it. I should have married Kojo, my former boyfriend. You fail at every single thing you do. Ah, your background can't get you far. And you are a born loser, a born loser. When you keep hearing these things, you wonder, who am I? What is my identity? Is this all I will ever amount to? No, no, no. You need to hear this message, Identity Crisis, by Lady Reverend Adelaide Howard Mills. A walk with her through the pages of God's Word will take you out from the dank hill and set you on the plane to becoming the person God intended you to be. Welcome back. God calls people with an inferiority complex. God calls people with an inferiority complex. Moses said to the Lord, Exodus 4.10, Please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in time past. Nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. There's always something wrong with you. There's always a reason why you are not the best candidate for God to choose. Isn't it? I'm slow of speech. I'm not eloquent. I'm shy. I don't know how to talk to people. I don't know the Bible much, Lady Reverend. I can't quote verses like you. I've not walked with God for long. But God says, come as you are. Come as you are. It's he who makes you. You are not already made. Amen. God is not looking for people who have ability. He's looking for people who, are, who have availability. Available. Once you are available, God will use you. Santa, you have an inferiority complex. Say, oh, I don't look like this. I don't have word. I don't. But once you have a heart. Once you have a heart, God will honor that state of the heart. Amen. God calls people when they are young. When God called Jeremiah, he says, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am but a child. Amen. Samuel was called as a child. And demons use children. And witches use children. And God can also use you even when you are young. Amen. Amen. I believe that God called me from a very tender age. 
I got born again at the age of nine by the grace of God. It was just by the grace of God. My Sunday school teacher nurtured me, told me about God, and he kept saying, God has called you to preach. You must preach. God has called you to preach. You must preach. He didn't give me any reasons that because you are this, because you are that. Nine years, what have you become? Nothing. Even your future is not clear, you know, but he kept telling me, God has called you. So even when I got to form three, I wanted to become a guy. I wanted to take a boy. It didn't work because God had called me. I could never, look, people will wrap me, wrap me. I'm just about to say yes, I'm not able. It just didn't work. And I think that was the grace of God. In university, when I got to first year, I said, oh, I have to become a normal person. So I was trying to become normal, but I just couldn't say, say, oh, so I'm interested in you. I want us to go out. You know, when I see you, my heart is, I'm not able to say, okay, I also feel, no. I can't say anything. I just lose words. I can't, I can't do the beloved dosing. I'm not able. It's not beloved. Boy friendship, I'm not able to do it. And I think that was God's hand. And also the fact that somebody spoke into my life continually, that you are called. You are called. God will use you. You must preach. You are called. So even when you want to backslide, nothing is in you. You want to become some way, nothing is in you. So you are not free in that sense. And not everybody had that. But when you are young, God calls you as a young person. And I believe, I, I didn't even understand, I must preach where? How? To who? How will this materialize? I didn't have any answers like that. And when I got to the university final year, God brought that same Sunday school teacher back into my life. He came to look for me. And I think that was divine. He came and looked for me when I was doing my last paper. I was in a discussion with Bishop Saki and Co. And I'd gone to Bishop Saki's hall in Mesa Saba. And then they came to call me that somebody was looking for me. When I went, was this my teacher? I'd grown up. So nowadays, all these type of talkings, you know. So I went to meet him. I t- I've told you before. And then he held my hand. Lord, I pray for Adley. Forgive her for disobeying your call in becoming a lawyer. May she fail her exam so that she will respond to your call. And then I'd open my eyes. Hey, Adelaide, today when I pray, you don't close your eyes. I said, because I'm not running away from anything. I'm not running away from any call. I just follow the general progression of life. I don't know that God has called me and then I'm saying I won't go. Okay, so you will not say amen. I said, I will not say amen. I don't agree that she'll fail my exam. And my Sunday school teacher is quite eccentric, I tell you. And if you were judging him by today's standards, you may say that he wasn't qualified in a certain sense. He was good, he loved God. But as a child, as they were saying, I thought, no, not my teacher. I don't know. That was a block. I mean, as you are talking, no, not my teacher. My teacher is not like that. So my mother would be saying, he's not like that. He is like that. Even they have brought him to leaders meeting, but still. It didn't enter my spirit. I don't know. Something, you know? And he kept speaking into my life. They excommunicated him from the church because he brought Holy Ghost baptism and these things. But once in a while, I'll meet him. And he, when you meet him, whether you are going where or you are going, he just takes you to a meeting. So I just met him on the road. Hey, Adelaide, where are you going into Holy Ghost baptism meeting? The number of hands they put on my head and they were shouting in the dark room, Kebaya, I didn't understand it. So I must speak in tongues. No teaching, no, I'm just there. And I did not receive. So when I came back, my mother asked me, I said, he took me to some dark room. So he hasn't seen me for years. When he sees you, you know, into the meeting. He's... 
But Bishop says that God will always give you glimpses of your call. So when I was in Wesley Girls, I tried in Form 2 to become a guy. It didn't work. So I quickly joined God's people, and I just flowed. When I got to 6th form, I had a Bible study group in the SU that I used to teach. When I got to first year, I wanted to be a guy. It didn't work. And then I went back to having Bible studies. When people are first coming, the freshest, I will have a meeting myself, and I'll nurture them in the things. Of there was no platform. There was no, I didn't have any spectacular message. I just shared my quiet time. Today, my quiet time was this. I want to encourage you and all that. And I used to write to people, be strong in the Lord. This is my quiet time. As you are coming to the university, these are the dangers. Walk this way, be this way. I didn't know that it was called ministry. Do you understand? So God calls you when you are young and nurtures you. He calls us all at different stages of our lives. And we don't have to regret that, oh, he should have called me as a child. He has a purpose. And he says that all things work together for good. So he may not have called you as a child, but as he has called you in this state, still all things work together for good. Amen. God calls you when you are young, when you can give your youth and everything to him. And when you don't have to cry, wasted years. God calls people who are in difficult circumstances. And Gideon said unto him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of? Saying, did not the Lord bring us out from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Many of us want some supernatural sign that God is with us. Difficult circumstances to seem to be a silent message from an invisible God that I'm against you. If God is with us, why has all this happened to us? It is natural to ask this question. Why would God call someone he's fighting against? The circumstances may be given a message that God is against you, but you must not allow circumstances to lead you away from your call. Circumstances are not the voice of God to you. We are led by the Holy Spirit. We are not led by the circumstances around us. Amen. Amen. Many of you women don't respond to God's call because of circumstances. Some of us are so taken up by our singlehood that we can't respond to God's call. We feel that when I'm single, it means I'm handicapped. I'm a disabled person. There's something not whole about me. And so you make all that your focus and you never turn your eye on God's call on your life. And Gideon was so engrossed in the circumstances of his day that when the angel came, he said, if God is with us, why have all these things befallen us? Where is the God that our fathers told us of? The God who worked miracles and all that. Where is he? He was dwelling on his difficulties. He was dwelling on things that seemed to be contrary. And therefore, he was not answered. He didn't even see anything about him that was called. Amen. Amen. Some of us, we are looking at our marital circumstances. And we say, oh, God can never call me. I have too many problems. What will I share with people? You will share that even in difficult circumstances, God can use you. You will share that even through difficult circumstances, God brought you through in his own way. The situation may not have changed, but he still brought you through. God uses people with problems, people with difficult hardships, people with things that have not been solved. If only they would turn their eyes away from the difficulties, God will still use you. Amen. And then Gideon brings up another problem. He says, I'm the least in the tribe. And my father's house is the last two. 
Least among the least. How can God want to use me? But you may be the least. You may be the least, but you are God's candidate. Because the Bible says, remember your calling, that not so many great, not many mighty, not many wise, not many strong, but God has chosen the foolish things of this world, the weak and the despised, so that he will show his own glory and his own strength. Amen. So you may be the least in your house. Maybe you are, more often, you are not something very great and you are not respected. I was just telling my staff that when I was in my mother's house, I didn't know I was a star. Hey, she used to do catering. When she sees you, you have a funeral. Oh, Marion, you have a funeral. Oh, I'll help you. I'll do all your small chops and your things for you. She doesn't have workers, so it's us. She does not have workers. We are the ones. So, when you are asleep, then they are now waking you. Mommy, mommy. Oh, three o'clock, one a.m. and things. What? Come and dice the onions for the meat pie. Because of that, I don't do meat pie in my household. I've labored enough in this life. <laughs> so they'll call us and my sisters, and then we'll be dicing the thing. And then she'll come and say, okay, mix the pastry. Mix, mix the pastry for 20 people. No, add some. Uh, we are doing it for 500. And not only are we doing small chops, after that we also do real food. Do you understand? So by the time you finish, you are tired. And they are blasting you. When I was much younger, sometimes I'm doing something now. Here's somebody with a hand like this. Thing. My mother, hurry up! The, oh. So me, I didn't think I was anything. I make rock bands, Chapel Hill Preparatory School. The whole school, they are snack. We do it. And when we come home, she will tell all her workers that it's okay. So we are the ones who will do the snack. And the snack is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, every day. Rock bands, this, this, different things you are making. You are doing cake. You are doing this. I was not happy. I just wanted to be free. And then I went to the university. So I thought that I was the least in my house. You understand? And then my brothers too. When I make stew, sometimes they will say, mm, the food is not nice. That this is this. That this. Hey. My brothers, boys, a lot of boys, everything you make, they talk. If you give them cocoa in the morning with bread, they will come and they will say that, hey, the cocoa, why you make thick like so? Where, where is the stew? You make breakfast or you make lunch? Hey. A lot of issues. My sister, she sometimes she just used to cry. I mean, the things were impossible. And then when they finish eating, they will also not wash their dishes. So you will be washing. And remember, we are about 14. Plus the big pot. And all. By the time you finish washing, it's time to make lunch. So you don't even have time to make friends. You don't have time. You are working. So when I got to Legon, then Calvary Road said they wanted to have a party and that they were going to give their things to some caterer. So I thought that everybody was the same. So my sister and I said, oh, no, no, no. The caterer is charging you too much. We will do it. So we made the sausage rolls. We made this. We made the jollof. But there were not many. There were like 30. So from 500 to 30, I found it very easy. <laughs> but when we made it, then the people, well, we were even in the process. Oh, so you made this yourself. You are very good. Remember, I was the least in my house. I said, hey, I've become a star. <laughs> I was so surprised. I never knew that I was good. I said, hey, you made this so tasty. And then, as I had roommates and the brother dogs and things, I come, I'll make stew or groundnut soup. When they eat it, your food is very nice. I've not heard that in my house before. I said, hey, I've become important in this place. 
I'm very surprised. So sometimes you may be the least in your house. But when you go out, God will use you in a mighty way. Hallelujah. I was the least in my I didn't know that. It's not everybody who knows meat pie. It's not everybody who knows sausage rolls. It's not everybody. I didn't know. I thought that, oh, everybody is the same. So it was Legon that my star began to shine. And I said, hey, is this me? I'm surprised. Because in my house, I was the least. Because when I cook rice, it always burns. Because why? I'm always reading a book. I don't smell the rice. As I put the rice on the fire, there was no rice cooker. And then I'm sitting somewhere reading the book. I'm so engrossed. I don't know that the rice is burning. Before I know, somebody has put her hand under my book. My mother, boom, the book will fly. Foolish. Is it books that you use? And I'll be start, what? The rice is burning. Can you not smell? I can't smell it. Because I've entered the life of the book fully. It's not book that you live with. It's not book that... So, a lot of chastisement and facing. So I was the least in my house. And also I was the youngest girl. The first contumely I made was a disaster. It didn't work. But when I went out, I had been prepared. And I became a star. Amen. Amen. So when we have ISI, they say, the food was nice. That this was... I say, hey, is this me? Things have changed. It's the same with the call of God. You may be despised in your own home. You may be despised where you come from. Where you come from, they may be superstars. But when God looks at you and your obedience, it's your gift that will make room for you. And your gift will lift you up where God wants you to be. Amen. God calls people who are the least, the least esteemed, and people with difficulties. It's not people with perfect lives that God calls. People with difficulties. And people without miracle power. Because Gideon said, if God is with us, where are all the miracles? God calls people who have nothing to offer. When God called Gideon, Judges 6.15, he said unto him, O my Lord, where shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Amen. Wherewith shall I save Israel? He has nothing to offer. Wherewith? Why are you calling me? What do I have to give you to work with? I have nothing. Wherewith shall I save Israel? But it's when you know that you are nothing. I think that that's what attracts God. Because when he said, wherewith will I? Then God says, take men. Take them to the pool. Let them drink. When they drink, choose this number. Do the, because you, you, you know that you are not anything spectacular, you are more obedient. I, I myself have seen in employment that the reason why over the years I've employed boys, first of all, was because I had two sons anyway. Secondly, I have boys that I teach to cook and not girls. Because girls feel they know already. So when you are saying... Take this amount of onion, they are saying in their head, but I also have my way of doing it. When you say, take this amount of tomatoes and go about it this way. So I knew how to cook before I came here. But when you get a boy, usually he doesn't know how to cook. He's a blank sheet. He doesn't know anything. And whatever you pour into him, he just receives. It's the same with God. It's the same. Some of us come, we are too known. When you feel that you have something to offer, you are too known. And God cannot even give you directions and instructions. But when you feel you are nothing, then that is when God's call is upon you. Amen. Lastly, but not the least, God calls the people who are the least in their families. We have talked about that. God calls people with 
poor family backgrounds. Coming from a rich family boosts a person's self-confidence. Riches have a way of ministering confidence because money answers all things. Poverty, on the other hand, fights against your self-esteem and makes you lose confidence. It is no wonder that your poverty will make you feel unworthy of the call. Another thing that poverty does is to make you determined never to be poor. I've noticed how people from poor backgrounds have resisted the call because they want to be rich. They want to distance themselves from the poverty of their family and their youth. Indeed, I've watched how people of poor backgrounds reject the call of God and desperately try to be rich. Sadly, many of these people fall headlong into failure. Amen. Your drive to be rich, your drive to achieve something for yourself, your drive to take care of yourself is something that can quench God's call. Because you feel that if I come into the ministry, I'll be poor. If I come into the ministry, God is not capable of looking after me. If I come into the ministry, I may not have certain trappings and certain uh, privileges. All this might be true, but with time, when you lose, you actually come to gain. Like the drama showed, but you won't believe it. But there will be a losing. Amen. There will be a losing. It is later that God would restore something. And you don't only lose riches, you lose your reputation. Like my children said, Mommy, when we used to say you were a lawyer, it was powerful. But now when we say you are a pastor, people are not impressed. Even one person asked my son in school, Ah, your parents, so they've stopped working, so they've become thieves now. Eh? Thieves, now they've become thieves. And I myself had a struggle with reputation. And when my husband would stand and say that, you see me, our tie, our shoe, our trousers, everything comes from the offering. I'll just be dying. At the beginning, I'll just be dying because I wasn't used to it. And so when God called me, I told God, I love you, but this aspect of the ministry is very hard for me. And God is not you, but the way people talk. The way people talk does not make me want to answer to the call. First of all, people say, you are spending the offering. You are cheating the people. Your motive for coming to the ministry is money. You, and and, and they, they say all sorts of things about pastors. They are always headlines in the newspaper. People have a certain audacity to talk into your life that was not like that before. So all that, you know, when the Bible says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, I understand it. And like Bishop is saying, it is when you feel you have a background, you have something. I'm coming from somewhere. Do you understand? Oh, but I'm a professional. I can make it on my own. I don't need the church to make it. Satan will tell you all these things. I don't need the church to make it. And if I make it big time, and then rather I sponsor the church, they will respect me more. And if I come and work in the church, and the church is paying me. It was a very hard struggle for me. I knew that God had called me. I knew that it was a matter of time for me to know exactly when I should come full time. But my battle was my reputation. I thought that if I go abroad, they will say it's church money. And I said to myself, but I've been going abroad before I even got married. So what is it now they are talking about? I've been going all over the world. My father has been taking me all over the world. Before now, I'm coming to answer some call for people to just talk. 
My father has been buying me fine clothes all these years. Before now, I'm coming and then, when I wear a skirt, they say it's from Korea that I went. When I wear it, they say because we ministered in Saudi. When I do this, they will say, I say, God, the problem is not you, it's the people. And the way they talk. And God said to me, shame on you, you are filled with pride, pride. That's why I told you that you need a servant spirit and a servant's mentality. Come down, you are nothing. It's a privilege for me to use you. That's what God, God said. Amen. Amen. But all of you would see me outside and you say, Oh, Sister Mommy, she's really answered God's call. And she's such a wonderful woman. And, but God knew that my heart was not right. I was still preaching as a lay pastor. But to come full time, hey, I drive my car, they will say that it's for the church. I had a car before I came to the church. Excuse me. But God will make you of no reputation. You have to give up something to gain something. You will have to give up so-called reputation. Now it doesn't even matter. Now it doesn't even matter. Sometimes I meet people and they'll be telling me. Somebody told me, you see, when we were in the university, you see, there's a place called Porter's Lodge. Do you know Porter's Lodge? That's where we put our keys. And the person was supposed to, I've not been to the university. I don't know the life there. So she's now explaining to me that, do you know Porter's Lodge? You put keys and things there. Hey. So when the people come, then I say, oh, I see. Then they take their keys and then they oh, I see. I say, I didn't say anything. Because you have become of no reputation. <laughs> it's not now you are going to say, hey, do you know when I left Volta Hall? Do you know the degrees I have? Do you know that? No. And when I even told my boss at Attorney General's that I was resigning, she said, I hope you are not going to do that thing that your husband is doing. It doesn't have a name, oh, that thing. I hope you are not going to join that thing. And my friends, lawyers, both old and young, came to me and said, Adley, think about this decision again. They said, it's not you, oh, but church people can change. Church people can be some way. And it's true. As at the time I was trying to make that a change, things had happened in the church that were not encouraging, you know. So they were right, but that was the wisdom of the world. I had to answer for myself what I felt that God was telling me to do. And even my father, I never told him that, Daddy, I'm resigning, I'm going full-time. No, I just did it in a way. Before he knew, I was in full-time ministry. I never told him boldly because I knew that it would bring problems. So I just phlegmatized him and came into the ministry. When I came into the ministry, I had a lot of heartaches. I had a lot of disappointments. I had a lot of things that I didn't expect. But God had called me. So it didn't matter the difficulties like in Gideon's time. It didn't matter the hardships. I knew that I had a God to answer to. And therefore, it gave me the grace to push on. And you also need that personal conviction. God must call you personally. We are called through sermons, we are called through different ways, but God must call you personally. And let it not be that he's calling you, but you are saying, here am I, send him. <laughs> Amen. May we discover the call that is upon our lives. And may the things that hinder us from responding to the call, pride, reputation, worldliness, worldliness. It was pride, all right, but the bottom line was also worldliness. To be able to provide for myself, to be able to have this, have that, have that, you know. 
And then when uh, people are putting money into the offering bowl, and then they will say that, hey, if you don't pay your tithe, Bishop Saki will not be paid. Oh, ah. If you work as a lawyer, such statements are not made. Do you understand? If you don't pay your tithe, I will still be paid at Attorney General's Department. But now, if you don't pay your tithe, Bishop, Bishop Saki, you have to resign. No, they are not paying their tithe. Ah, I used to stir up something in me. But nowadays, it doesn't matter again. Because I've learned to be like the master. The Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He emptied himself of everything. And he became a servant. May the Lord grant you that grace so that you do not kill the call of God on your life. Shall we pray? I am coming, Lord. Coming now to thee. Wash me, cleanse me by the blood that flowed on Calvary. I hear thy welcome voice. I hear that. that calls me, Lord, to thee. That calls me, Lord, for cleansing in thy precious blood. That flowed on Calvary. I am coming, Lord. Coming unto thee. Wash me, cleanse me. Hark the voice of Jesus crying, who will go and work today? Fields are white, fields are white, and harvest waiting, and harvest waiting. Who will bear the sheaves away? Loud and clear the master calleth. Loud and strong the master calleth. Rich reward he offers thee. Rich reward he offers free. He will answer gladly saying.
visitor, Lord, here am I. Whatever gifting, whatever calling, whatever way, be it lay ministry, every way, Lord, I just want to be fruitful. I just want to answer your call. I just want to know what you are saying. And I want to flow along, Lord. I want to make myself of no reputation. I want to give up my fears. I want to give up my reputation. I want to give up the things that limit me. Here am I, Lord. Just send me. Send me. You said if I'm willing and obedient, I just want to make myself available. Send me. Send me, Jesus. Loud and strong, the master call. He's calling you. Loud and strong. Jesus is calling you. Forget about your difficult circumstances. Forget about your marital problems. Forget about your hindrances. Oh, it's time to put your hands to the plow. the voice of Jesus crying who will go and work today who will go and work not who will go and party not who will go and play games but who will go and work today who will bear the sheep away the harvest is there but who will bear the sheep away who will take the girl you the grace he will give you what it takes you don't have to be already made you just have to be a willing vessel oh may giftings and anointings and callings be released in the name of Jesus may you have a burden for the lost may you win the lost at any cost oh thank you Jesus Oh, the 
receive the grace to obey him. And Lord, we pray that the zeal of your house will consume us. We've been consumed by so many other things. We've been distracted by so many other things. Bring our focus back to you because it's all about you, Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our little lives. It's about you. Give us a burden for the lost to preach at every corner, to win souls at every cost, to speak to people about Christ, oh God. Oh, fill us up. Fill our cups, Lord. We lift it up, Lord. We'll fill our cups, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.